Hey, hello. Welcome to episode 20 of The Big Red Dram. I am your host, Jason Langrader. As always, thank you for tuning in. 20 episodes. I tell you, I uh, when I started this, uh, it's been it's been a, an exercise in growth. Um, it's been an exercise in patience and learning and trying to figure out um, where I, how I want to build this podcast, how what I want to do with it. It's kind of sucked that it's I started this right before a pandemic. I, you know, I knew it was coming. I had my crystal ball and I saw, um, I had the grim, um, that's actually tea leaves, uh, for you Harry Potter fans out there. Um, <laughs> and I really wish I'd have known that we were going to be locked in our homes for uh, a few months. Cause it's, it's been, uh, not at all what I really wanted this podcast to be. It's just me rambling. At some point I was hoping to have people come on and, and talk and tell their story and things like that. And we'll get there. Um, cause I'm really, I'm fortunate to be able to do this on, on uh, garage band, be able to actually record this, put it together somewhat and, uh, have it feel somewhat organized. My editing skills are still kind of rough, but, um, <clears throat> I don't know how to do having guests on here. I don't know how to like, I don't, I haven't gotten that far yet. So I really need to kind of dig into that more because God knows when we're going to get to phase three here being lumped with Chicago. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a challenge. But anyway, um, so lots of things to work on, lots of things to look forward to down the road. Cause I do want to talk to um, people I've meeting on like say Instagram and friends and family that, drink whiskey and talk to them what about their story um and what whiskey means to them their experiences with it things of that nature and kind of just build you know a dialogue and and tell people stories with whiskey and what it is that it means to them and um just kind of i want to grow it into more of a, a of a camaraderie a people piece a people podcast because again it's it is exactly that. It's about opinions and differing opinions and start and starting a conversation and talking and getting and getting people's thoughts and and feelings about whiskeys, whether it be single malts or bourbons or rye or Tennessee whiskey or any of that stuff. So, um, lots of things to contemplate and work on for the future because this podcast is going to be ever evolving and ever growing. So, for those of you that have been listening consistently and have been sticking around um it is tremendously appreciated um because i appreciate those of you that have reached out and given me feedback and told me you know the things that you're liking about it and all that and it is it means a lot so thank you for that uh, and thank you for putting up with it <laughs> um kalila is what we're talking about today uh, the 17 year unpeated it is a um it was a core range that was available uh, at the Kalila Distillery, we were there. Um, I think I'm, uh, three years ago tomorrow. It was a fun tasting. It was one of the first tastings we did there. Um, we arrived and then uh, kind of settled into our uh, the the uh, Seaview Cottage at Ardbeg, and then headed up to Kalila. We had a we had a day of Kalila, Bunahaven, and then uh, dinner in Bomore. So we were kind of run in the gamut for the afternoon and Kalila was a fun tasting. We did four different whiskeys, um, core range offerings that were available at the gift shop. The, uh, the Mach 
which was is somewhere between an eight and a nine year old, the seventeen year unpeated, the eighteen year old, and then the distiller's edition, which was somewhere between a twelve and a fifteen year. Now, all four of them had their had their positives and negatives, but for me, the seventeen was a cask strength. It was fifty five point nine percent. It was a party in your mouth, <laughs> and everyone's invited. Uh, it was it was a it's an interesting single malt because. It has kind of some some common nosing uh, scents that you get with it. It's got a little bit of the butter, t- butter cookie, sweet toffee, some caramel in there. Um, but when you get into the mouth, when you put it when you put it in your mouth and you get on the palate, it really starts to build. The longer you have it in there and you're kind of chewing it and letting it sit on your tongue and moving it around your mouth. It really starts to build in on the intensity to the point where you start to kind of well up a little bit if you really let it linger. Um, the finish is a little slow at first, but it builds and then it's nice and easy going down and it doesn't really destroy any in- internal organs. It's a very nice, easy drinking, high proof whiskey. One of my favorites. It was one of the pillars of my collection when I bought a bunch of whiskeys back home from Isla. Um, the, my, the Kalila was one of my favorite just for that reason. And this was before I had the, the Glenn Farkless 105, which is very similar in that build of intensity on the palate. It's really hot, but the cool thing about the Glenn Farkless versus the Kalila is the Glenn Farkless really kind of got fruity as it built and got hot. You kind of got a lot more interesting sherry notes and things like that, whereas the Kalila 17 kind of hangs into that same realm it doesn't have that real peaty it does get a little sweet but there's not a lot of fruit there's obviously no sherry influence um and i honestly it's an next bourbon that would explain the caramel um and some of the unique you do get some of those common bourbon notes when you have it in your mouth um but amplified amplified because of that high proof because of the just the way the single malt just the single malt intensity versus the bourbon intensity at a proof of this of this type the bourbon's a little more subdued there's a little bit more of a flavor profile going on as the heat builds but it doesn't quite get into that pepper that really hot, spicy, peppery, unless the rye maybe is a little higher in the mash bill, um, I've noticed. But the, with the single malts, you get, you kind of, it becomes more instantaneous. It really kind of, it doesn't take as long to get there. The bourbons, it to maybe takes its time a little bit. With And that's, hold that for a grain of salt because I've had like three. <laughs> okay. So I've had a lot more single malt cask strikes than I have had bourbon. I've had the... 1792 um foolproof and i've had the uh wild turkey the rare breed um at 1416 is that it i think that might be it uh and i think the next closest might be the eh taylor small batch at 100 or something but nothing like again the foolproof is probably the closest to foolproof in the eagle rare probably gonna be closer to this percentage of volume than uh, than any of the other bourbons i have currently but that being said the kalila just builds 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 on intensity similar to sometimes a talisker will 
it's just it really gets hot and it, it's it's great it's an amazing experience because it's just it's fun i think it's that's why i like cask strength whiskeys that's why i like this kalila 17 a lot and why i'm really nursing it because i don't think i'll ever replace it unless i have a birthday purchase at fine drams and i still have it it would be nice to have a backup of this because i do like it but it's a mixed bag i also want to try some other stuff too so oh if you don't let it linger you don't want to knock it back but if you don't if you don't let it linger too much it's a little bit easier <laughs> to get down but if you do let it linger you're gonna have to ride it out a bit because if you let it build and then shoot it back it'll attack the back of your throat so i've had three different experiences now because this is the third take because for whatever reason i'm having issues with my mac tonight Probably because I keep I've got two keyboards in front of me and I'm using the wrong keyboard for the wrong computer half the time. But so three times I've drank this now and I've I've kind of let it slowly release to the back. Uh, one was a little bit faster and this last one I just kind of fired it back in. Oh, on the back of my throat's on fire. So the experience with this whiskey, second to none. It's a good time. <laughs> Uh, so that's really it with the Kalila. Now the distillery itself, um, the, the distillery tour, it wasn't really a distillery tour, it was a tasting. So when you walked in, you walked into the, um, you drove past the big warehouse. So the, the part, the driveway going in comes past the main, the main warehouse where the Kalila is stamped traditionally on the whitewashed building. That's on your left as you're driving in, and then you come to the the still house, and the um, which is which is the still house is the back, and then there's a long the long glass building which I believe has the mash tunes and stuff in it. It's been a long time; I don't quite remember the layout of the distillery, so forgive me. But um, just it's a little bit more of a modern looking end to the building, so it's, it's got this just wonderful glass, very light, very open feel to it. But when you walk into the gift shop. It was a nice welcoming gift shop. Small, but it was nice. Um, they had a wall on your left that had all the bottlings and some merchandise and things of that nature. Um, a little tasting... Um, uh, what do you call it? Podium? Sorry. A little tasting podium that was kind of tucked away, which happened to have the secret bottles that if you ask nicely, they might let you um, take a sip or two from. But you need to be legitimately... Okay, yeah, if I like what I taste, I am buying something kind of a mentality. You can't say you were going to and then go, eh, and walk out. Um, you'll like it, trust me. The 25 and the 30, I believe, was the offerings uh, that were available to us to also sample, and both were pretty good. Um, was there a huge difference for the price point between the two? I don't remember, because I think he walked away with the 25, my friend Sean, so I think it wasn't enough to justify it, but... Uh, when you walked in, so they kind of took you to the left and you went into this back room where it kind of had a little bit of the history of Kalila around it, had a table, some barrels, some casks were kind of strewed about and, uh, I had this nice table. There was a couple tables actually, but we were set up for our tasting cause it was early May. So it's not super busy yet. Cause it's the Fajal doesn't start until usually the end of May, but it was a great time to go cause it was still 
you had your cooler days in your 50s and 60s, but the humidity is weird there. So the the when the days were colder in the you know the 50s and wet, it wasn't like it was unbearable. Um, and then we had days that were in their 60s and the sun was out. And usually both days we were on on Isla, we had days where it was everything. <laughs> you started out with storms and then the sun would break and then you'd have clouds and then it would get overcast again. And then the sun would come out and then it would be cold again and it might rain and then the sun. And so it's just a very volatile island, which is why their whiskey is so amazing is because you get a lot of that salt from the sea and all of this uh weather that really kind of fertilizes and 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 um salts the ground so to speak and really kind of leaves those peat bogs tasting the way they do so um it was a beautiful distillery and we sat down at this table and we had the four glasses that were in front of us and yes they were stingy pours with their paired up chocolates that they have arranged that tour is still available by the way um and we sat down and we sampled these whiskeys and it was fun. The, the our tour guide was 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 personable. It was good conversation. He he had, he was humorous and it, it was a good time. We actually enjoyed it quite a bit. And um, I uh, highly recommend it. Well, sh- I mean, most of you that are listening to this, if you're serious about single malts and you do make it to Isla, I'm sure you'll make more time than we did. We got short half a day, so we weren't able to actually hit everything that we wanted to. So we were going to, I think we were going to make an effort to kind of try to hit uh, Brook Lottie and Bowmore um, in a little more in depth. But uh, we managed to get six, five in anyway. We got Lafroig. I know I've said this before. We got um, Lafroig, Lagavul, and Ardbeg. And then we got Kalila and Bunahaven in. And then Bowmore, we just kind of walked in and we had like 10 minutes. But we had plenty of Bowmore at the Bowmore Hotel. We went there for a drink um, at the bar uh, that night. But anyway, phenomenal. So it was a good time. Um, but the Khalil of the the 17-year is one of my higher scores. It's a 91 um, just because of, of it's, a, it's a flavorful dram. It's a fun dram. It's, uh, and it's consistent. It's really – it's tasty. It's not – all right, maybe 91's a little high. Let me let me give it an 89. Um, the reason why is because it's not it's not a 105. It's not a Glen Farkless where it has this unbelievable kind of fruity complexity to it where every time you go back to it you taste something else. But for what it is, it is very much just a full-bodied it is a full-bodied whiskey, and it's unpeated. So if you're looking for something unpeated that's going to be kind of a kick in the pants, this is the one to get if you can still get it. I know they make a 15 that's also unpeated, uh, but that one's going to be tough to find also. Unassuming. Not overly spectacular. And by that again, it's not it's not going to give you a fruit bouquet on the tongue. It will give you a consistent, even Isla style whiskey, ex bourbon barrel, mind you, that's going to be because it's not it's not married in anything else, so it's gonna be you wanna call that one dimensional in that regard? 
but it does it well. So while it doesn't deliver on a smorgasbord of flavors, it is giving you a consistent ex-bourbon barrel single malt at a high proof that will give you a nice intense mouthfeel if you like that kind of thing. I do, so that's why it gets that 89-90 score. So I'll drop it to point and a half two points just because again it's when you want to get when you get into that at 90 range you want something that's going to blow you away and give you something uh each and every time you come back to it the kalila is consistent every time you come back to it from the first taste to the last taste you don't get into that first taste trap with it so much what you had and what you liked about it the first time is gonna be there the second third fourth time you may pick up more subtle notes on those return visits but that intensity that great finish, that mouthfeel will all still be there. So I give it high scores for that. But it doesn't push into that um, uncharted territory of those low to mid-90s where, like your 105, for me, for the Glen Farkas 105, the Bullmore Lamrig, where it's just... Because, again, I'm a sherry guy. I, I like cask strength. I like some sherry influence so that it gives it more dimension. A little bourbon with some sherry, even better. And it's kind of where I'm at. So, um, and that's like my tone is, has diminished a bit where I'm disappointed, but it's not. It's really a good, if you really want something that you can still get that will give you that Isla flavor. If you're looking to get into Isla, you're looking to get something aged, you're looking to get something that's going to be cask strength. If you can get your hands on a 17-year, do it. Do it, do it, do it. The age alone gives it gives it that smoothness, that that drinkability to it, and then the higher proof really kind of adds to the experience as you're drinking it. So there you go. There's a long-winded answer for you. Um, so today's May twelfth um, has a couple of meanings for me now. Um, three or four, three. Most importantly, it's my father's sixty-sixth birthday today. So for him, lost him. About 11, 12 years ago, uh, to esophageal cancer. Um, my dad and I were about 20 years apart. Phenomenal man, phenomenal individual, very well liked by a lot of people. Uh, and he was a wonderful influence and a wonderful role model for myself. Um, my dad was really a beer guy, but uh, as he got a little older, he started actually dabbling in whiskeys. He, I don't, he never, don't really think he ever really got into single malts. I didn't really start my single malt journey um, to the point where I was drinking them with him um, until I think after he passed. But I was dabbling in single malts while he was around. He was more of a bourbon guy. He really liked Maker's Mark. Um, the original, which I can't really handle a whole lot, <laughs> but I will be doing a Maker's Mark episode as soon as I get a Maker's Select. I'm waiting until I get a Select. I've had other things that I've wanted to get right now, and everything has to wait, and uh, it's so frustrating um, to not be independently wealthy. <laughs> it's, you know, what a drag it is to not have endless cash. It's just such a drag. Um, I really would like this podcast to be something someday so that I can get uh, paid to do this. Ha, 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 ha. But uh, it really is a hobby. But um, I want to get my hands on a Maker Select, um, the uh, like the, the distillery picks. Like Benny's does a, a, 
a uh, distillery pick. They've had a few lately that were anywhere from 110 to 112 proof. And uh, I want to get my hands on one at some point. They're just they're 70 bucks. And my most recent purchase was a um, Bunahavid uh, Signatory that I'm waiting to come from Fine Drams and um, Maker's Mark Private Select. Um, I also joined the Ambassador program and i've reached out to them too hoping they would would email me back but they haven't yet um so whenever my name comes up on the barrel they put me on um, i will be down there to buy a bottle with my name on it at some point too um but the maker's mark private select i want to wait until i get one of those because the 46 i bought a little 375 while i was down in kentucky and it was amazing i really really enjoyed it uh, it did really well in our tasting too for just a rando purchase. And I think it's the next, well, it's makers and then that maybe the cask strength and the 46. Uh, if you're going to go by price point, um, it's right around there. Uh, the makers mark cask strength and then the 46, the makers mark cask strength is actually priced a little bit higher. So if you're going to take it by price, put that as this next step up, whatever. But. Private Select. That's one I want to get my hands on next. I wasn't really into the... There's another one. There's a, a Wood Series. I didn't get that. I think that's... I think their Wood Series is where they stick a, a wood stave in the barrel of something unique. Is that right? It's something to that effect. It's a higher proof, and I think that they have different different bottlings with different wood influences so they're going to put something else in there with the with the whiskey to kind of influence the flavoring a little bit um so he was a maker's mark guy sorry i got off on a tangent and um he might have had some wild turkey too but i wasn't really into bourbon yet at that point i was still of the mindset as everyone else was at that time which was 30 years ago 20 25 years ago 26 years ago where bourbon was an old man's drink and even though my dad was only 20 years older than me it wasn't really an old man in my eyes he was really you know he was he was my friend so i, I don't know i didn't look at him in that way all the time sure there were times but not always um but as i've tried to connect the dots between single malts and bourbons because again it's, it's a it's a connection that you're going to come to at some point in your whiskey career. If you're looking to experience everything there is to do with a single malt, you have to go from, you have to go back to where a lot of single malts are born from. And that's from bourbon barrels. Um, to understand bourbon helps understand the influence of a particular barrel that maybe your favorite single malt is, is aged in. Uh, Case in point, Kilholman. Kilholman is, I believe, they're strictly um, Buffalo Trace barrels. Uh, when they're doing a bourbon barreling, uh, when they're doing a whiskey that's aged in a bourbon barrel, any of them, which is a majority of them, they're going to be from Buffalo Trace. So I didn't know that. And I think when they first started, that wasn't the case. And I think they kind of got into that shortly thereafter when they're trying to really kind of get things moving. So I would like to get more into that kill home interests me and i when i when i do my mccure bay episode um i did my mccure bay episode didn't i um i talked about that a little bit and uh 
I want to know more about that because I want to know. Well, I want to know more about a lot of things. But I want to know more about um, the influences of. Yeah, I did do one already. I did what was it back in March. Um, how those particular familiar bourbons like Wild Turkey is Wild Turkey in Scotland? I don't know. Um, I think makers are. I know Jim Beam barrels are. Um, I don't know about like say someone like Jack Daniels, which is Tennessee whiskey. I don't know about them. Um, but Buffalo Trace is Kilholman for sure. So that don't mean sh- I I am interested in that. Uh, I would be also interested to know if some Blanton's barrels got over there too. That would be interesting to know. So anyway, way off tangent. Cheers to my dad. Um, <clears throat> Sixty six today. Uh, miss you, dad. I really do. Um, also another, another quick tidbit, another quick thing to want to talk about is for those of you that listen to this frequently that are into whiskey, stay tuned because you're going to be getting a call or a text or a message from me because I want, I'm going to figure out since when I initially started this, this podcast before the quarantine hit mid March ish, um, I wanted to do more things like the Louisville tasting that I did or the uh, tasting episode that I did back in April. Um, I want to do more guests because, again, when I talked about this podcast in the beginning um, of my introductory episode, how I wanted it to be about the stories that you find with whiskey, because I feel that each distillery is is a book, and each whiskey that they release is a chapter of that book, because they're all trying to tell a story, and each distiller, or each master distiller or each whiskey or distillery manager is they all have our authors in the overall story that each distillery is trying to tell that is also the case for the connoisseur for those of us that drink the whiskey we have you know we all have an individual story of what whiskey means to us or how it's affected us or what we enjoy about it or maybe we have a fond memory that is tied to whiskey it's fun to kind of take that road and i want to kind of dial in on that a bit so i was watching an episode of the whiskey cast live um from may 6th mark lespie who does whiskey cast podcast that i started listening to a long time ago haven't been it's more of a news based which for my consumption i was looking more for um was looking more for a podcast that kind of just talked about a particular whiskey for the day without the shtick without the comedic aspect of it um you know i i didn't need i didn't need bravado or machismo i just needed you know honest talking about a particular dram and and i felt that i would be the perfect person for that for my own because of my tastes and i i couldn't really dial into people that kind of tasted whiskey the same that i did so i'm like screw it i'll just do my own but anyway Mark Gillespie was doing an episode with um, two of the, I mean, they are the two of the primary faces of whiskey. There's Jim McCune, and then there's these two gentlemen, which of course is Dr. Bill Lumsen and the nose himself, uh, Richard Patterson. Sorry, I blanked on his name for a second there. Um, Richard Patterson, you've if you've watched Scotch, A Golden Dream, or anything to do with with whiskey single malt whiskey i'm sure he's been on there he's the guy with the mustache big nose 
He's very flamboyant. He likes to throw his whiskey. He likes to, he's always wearing a, t- a suit with a tie that has a matching kerchief in the pocket. He is a, um, he's a master blender for White and McKay. He has been for almost 50 years. And then Dr. Bill Lumsden, Lumsden has been, is the um, head of whiskey creation for Glenmore and Gene Ardbeck. And he's also very, uh, he's very animated. He's a very, uh, he's just a very influential, very interesting uh, man. They both are. They both tell phenomenal stories. And and in this particular webcast, it was fun to watch them because they were just being lighthearted and and telling some stories and just joking around with each other. Um, But they mentioned that point that I was trying to make earlier about the stories. They want people to enjoy whiskey. They're not fans of people that collect whiskey because they don't work as tirelessly and as passionately as they do for people to collect whiskey. They aren't from the from what I'm from my impressions is that they don't seem to be guys that that uh, endorse that kind of thing. And why should they? Every distillery, every distillery throughout the planet is creating something for you to enjoy. They want you to experience their whiskey. They want you to enjoy it to drink it, to drink it with family, with loved ones, to talk about it. You talk to Freddie Johnson at Buffalo Trace, he'll tell you the same thing. They all want you to enjoy whiskey, and that's kind of where the story comes in. Everybody has a story that they've had when they have had a great dram of whiskey, whether it be with friends or family. When, they're, when they have family over, a great bottle of whiskey tends to come out if they're all whiskey drinkers. I know on my mom's side of the family, when we get together with her cousins and stuff, whiskey comes out bourbons come out it when i have my buddies over bourbon comes out or sing or scotch comes out with my friend sean comes over it's a central part of people's lives and some point in time to get to that point where we can i can start author uh authoring these tales so i can start um, hosting these tales i want to get people involved because that's what whiskey's about and that's again that's what like the wheat and whiskey club's about it's about community and camaraderie and and weaving a, th- a, a, a tapestry of people together what it's the, one of the better parts of whiskey one of the great things that it can do is create conversation create camaraderie amongst people you can find like-minded people you can find people that aren't quite on the same wavelength as you, but you have that common bond of whiskey. It's okay to have opinions. It's okay because that's nobody's the same. What these guys feel is a phenomenal whiskey, like Bill Lumsden, Dr. Lumsden, and Mr. Patterson might feel is a phenomenal whiskey. Maybe isn't my cup of tea, um, but I bet you there's stuff that we do find in, in common. So it, the stories, the link with the opinions, bringing those opinions start the stories because it starts the conversation. And then you have these fun conversations where you're sitting around a table and you're, you're, jabber, you're jabbering on like I'm doing right now about what whiskey means to you or what the particular bottle meant to you. Or do you know, I remember last time I had Maker's Mark when my dad was still alive and we, he had a big, you know, um, tropical party. He used to love to have tropical parties. 
because he would grow these big banana trees in his, in his backyard and he'd have these elephant ears back there and it'd be this, he would literally dig the bulbs up in the fall, house them in his crawl space during the winter, replant them in the spring and then have these giant six, seven, eight foot banana trees and stuff in his backyard. And he'd have a tropical party and he'd dress up and put on a Hawaiian shirt and we'd have a keg and all this stuff and we'd just we'd have just a great time friends my friends would come over his friends would be there my brother's friends might be there um we'd be hanging out and it would just be a great time and you know everyone would be drinking and carrying on and it would be a lot of fun and then you'd have some not so fun stories where you know you get the wild turkey and a friend of mine and he gets a little angry and things happen but it still makes for fun memories that's what i'm talking about those are the kind of things, those are the stories, those are the conversations that I want to start having with people on this podcast to kind of humanize it a little bit more. So it's not just me talking about my impression of a whiskey. It's going to be down the road a little bit where I can segment it, segment it a bit so that I can talk a little bit about a whiskey, share a story, talk a little bit about something coming up. So stay tuned. At episode 20 trying to kind of self-evaluate talk to myself a little bit about think for myself a little bit about where it is i'm at what i how i feel things have been going and then where i want to take this because when you have guys like mark gillespie who's been doing this for a very long time who's amazing at what he does he's very involved with whiskey he's a journalist this is what he does that's kind of what i want to get into not so much the journalism part I can write, but I'm not going to um, be so self-absorbed to think that I'd be any good at it. But um, these things take time. So when we're in my infancy, so things to look forward to. So there you have it. Thank you for listening as always. Um, Wherever you are out there, I hope that you're hanging in there, um, staying safe, staying healthy, um, tearing your head out, trying to find the next bottle of whiskey you want to try. But uh, when you do get that bottle, I hope you're enjoying it one dram at a time. 